You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. I told you before that legacy was going to be a wild part of the conversation around the NBA Finals. And as I've told you before, that legacy isn't about Steph. It wasn't even about Clay. To me, legacy in the NBA Finals was all about Draymond. And now, as we continue to get through this series, we're getting answers to that that nobody's talking about. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Jason Fitz flying solo for the next hour. We will get you all ready for tonight's action. You can listen to the NBA Finals on ESPN Radio. You guys know that's fine now. Tune in for Game 4 tonight. The Celtics host the Warriors, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. We're going to get you ready for it. We're going to take you all the way up to that action, and we're going to make sure that we get you everything you need to know for the game. But we start with some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Draymond hasn't been good enough. I mean, that's the simplest straight talk I can give you, right? So now the question is, what does it mean? I keep thinking about expectation and context. We talk all the time about context around these conversations because let's be real. Context doesn't exist in the NBA conversation so often. What's going to happen if the Warriors lose this series? Oh, if the Warriors lose this series in two years, whoever's yelling at Stephen A. on first take will be yelling about everything that it meant for Steph that he had the opportunity to win a championship without KD and he didn't. But you really know everything about Steph and legacy and what he means to this organization when we realize that the fact that he is hobbled, the fact that we don't know how much he'll be able to give tonight means the Warriors are an absolute world of hurt. Because you know how important Steph is. You know how important Steph will be to everything that the Warriors want to try and accomplish. So now I look around and say, so what do we need? More of a Herculean effort from the best player on his team? Man, I don't know. Maybe what we need is for the third Hall of Famer on this team to play like him. Now, Draymond can come out and say, hey, I didn't play well enough. This worst game. I need to be better. Okay, cool. The question is why? Because would we accept that blatant logic from most other players? Would we be forgiving of LeBron if we went on whatever show he wanted to go on and said, you know what, I didn't play well enough, I'm going to be better. Would we be forgiving of him? I think we all know the answer to that. We're never forgiving of LeBron. And Draymond, as I've told you on the sports beat repeatedly repeatedly of late, has become this polarizing figure, which makes it so much fun. I mean, it's fun to watch somebody out there that's going to sit in front of a microphone and tell you exactly what's going on. It's fun to watch somebody out there being truly authentic through everything. He's authentic on the floor. He's authentic on the mic. He's authentic on social media. That's all fun. But it only works if you're a badass. And right now, Draymond is not a badass. He's fouled out twice in this series. And even when he talked about what he needs to do better, he realized that he's still not doing what he needs to do. Only one player over the last 40 years has fouled out of three games in a single NBA Finals. That's Dale Davis for the 2000 Pacers. Take that to the sports bar tonight when you're watching with your buddies. Tell everybody, hey, Draymond better not be Dale Davis and lift a glass. Because at the end of the day, if Draymond's Dale, the Warriors ain't winning. That's the craziest part of this to me is that there's a real opportunity to make excuses. And look, I think it's fair to say that there are other players to blame for the, way, for the situation, I should say, that the Warriors are in. Spain and Fitz, Jason Fitz flying solo tonight. It's fair to say Jordan Poole hasn't been good enough. I think we can all agree on that. I would argue that maybe if the Warriors lose this series, they should give the MVP to Poole because he may be helping the Celtics the most. 
it's fair to look at Wiggins and say, okay, more was expected. And I think we all had this row, row, row the boat, like perfect mindset in our heads of what we were going to see in these finals when Steph, Clay, and Draymond came out and they showed and reminded everybody why they're Hall of Famers and why the Golden State Warriors are such legends. And they show everybody as they win a championship that they can teach and pass the torch to the next generation. Oh, what a perfect story. The problem is for the story to be perfect, everybody has to play the parts well. You can have a badass script on a movie, but if all the actors are terrible, movie's no good. The script is perfect for the Warriors here. It's perfect for Draymond to come in and absolutely show up. And I would love nothing more. I got no skin in the game on who wins any of these games. I'm not a fan of the Warriors or the Celtics. I don't care. What I love is interesting content, right? That's what I, I root for content. And when you're rooting for content, boy, the thought of Draymond going off in front of the Boston crowd, ripping his jersey off, throwing it at somebody, having all the FUs that they could possibly have back and forth, that makes for fun content. I'm all in for it. That'd be more entertaining than watching Draymond go out, get frustrated, be limited, and suddenly the Warriors just fall apart. But that feels more realistic. And if that happens, if we don't get the best of Draymond, on a night when the best of, uh, of Steph may not be even available. When that tool isn't in your toolbox, boy, you better have something else. You better have another way to work through all of the issues you're going to have. And I would make the argument any other time, hey, well, you know what? Steph needs more support. But not when you got brands around you. You don't get brand forgiveness. The NBA doesn't give brand forgiveness. If you're Russ, we know who you're supposed to be. And you as a brand have now been put out on a pedestal to play a certain way for the Lakers. Doesn't matter if Russ is going through the same thing other players go through. It doesn't matter if Harden goes through the same thing that other players go through. It doesn't matter if Embiid goes through the same things that other players go through. You are a brand. When you're the Golden State Warriors, man, you are a brand built on one of the most likable athletes we've seen in generations with Steph. Somebody that will always get the benefit of the doubt. And then you've got Clay over here, and you're thinking, man, if Clay can be healthy, and we think about the Splash Brothers and all the things that they can be together, oh, oh, what a delight. But the other part of that equation in this big three concept for the Golden State Warriors is the third guy that we've been told is supposed to be a Hall of Famer, the third guy that's supposed to be an agitator, the third guy that is supposed to be the absolute dynamic energy for this team. He came out flat. He came out flat in the NBA Finals. You'll never be able to explain that to me. Man, sometimes people have a bad game. Sometimes people have a bad night. Sometimes, no matter what you're doing, sometimes I'm not good in front of a microphone. Some of you will argue that that's every day. <laughs> sometimes I had really bad concerts. The first to admit it. But when you know everything's on the line, when you are in the biggest moments and you are a Hall of Famer, and you have the chance to cement your legacy, and you come out flat, man, you got to look in the mirror. And when you look in that mirror, you don't just need to answer for why you came out flat that night. You need to answer for what coming out flat in that sort of moment means for how we're supposed to view you for the rest of time in the legacy conversation that matters so much to NBA players, to NBA coaches, to NBA media, and to NBA fans. Because so far in this series, the legacy that's being cemented for Draymond 
is a very simple one. He didn't give what he needed when his team needed it. He didn't play the way he needed to when his team needed him to. And as a result, he helped put his team behind in the NBA Finals. That is the legacy conversation that will continue if he comes out hot tonight or not. Draymond now has the rest of this series to try and change everybody's mind. That's some straight talk. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Spain and Fitz presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. All this talk about the Warriors, but we haven't talked about the Celtics. And there was an article today that points out why the Celtics might be changing the way teams are built for the future in the NBA. Are they right? We'll figure it out next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Sports in general and every league are about copycats. So when we see success, whether it's ahead of schedule or unprecedented, the first thing we think is, what's it? how's it being done and can it be replicated? The question is, are the Celtics doing something truly different that will change the way everybody in the NBA does business? We'll get to that in a moment. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. And uh, we're going to get in the zone with the Celtics, get in the zone brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. But before we get to the Celtics conversation, want to get everybody updated on a couple of big pieces of NFL news and notes from the course of today, starting, of course, with my beloved Raiders. Uh, Hunter Renfro has agreed to a two-year, $32 million extension with my beloved Raiders. That's actually in their title now. $21 million of that fully guaranteed. And, uh, look, I just I will quickly say a couple of things. The sooner you know you've got a guy, sign a guy. Because what we see at every position is that contract value continues to explode across the NFL. They are confident in what the salary cap is going to be in a few years as a league because we see so much money going out. So for Hunter Renfro to get a two-year, $32 million extension with the Raiders makes sense. It locks up a young piece for even longer. But the other thing that I think we have to understand is that there's a culture carryover happening right now that I think will impact the Vegas Raiders this season. I had the chance before the draft to talk to Max Crosby. We got tattoos together uh, and did an interview. And during the course of our four hours together sitting there, I talked to him a lot about last year and last year's team, and he, you could see it and feel it from him when he talked about the brotherhood that they felt together and the bond that they felt together, trying to figure out how to get through things that were so incredibly difficult. And for the team, they learned to fight together. And there's a carryover to what we're seeing now because you have Hunter Renfro taking a deal when, frankly, he could have waited and gotten more. I think that's pretty easy to see. You've got Derek Carr taking a deal that, frankly, he could have waited and gotten more. But what you're seeing right now are a bunch of people that want to play in Vegas, that want to play together in Vegas in a culture that's being created. For Josh McDaniels, uh, for that new head coach for the Raiders to come in, he's got to win this locker room. And if he can do that, if he can step in to the huge emotional shoes that have been created from the departure of Rich Bisaccia, then interim coach that was so beloved in that locker room, he's going to have a ton of talent. He's going to have a ton of pieces to play chess with. But he's got to find a way to emotionally connect with gentlemen that have obviously emotionally connected to each other. That's why they're all taking less. They want to play together. And that's a special moment to love. On the other side of the NFL news, the Washington Commanders have fined Jack Del Rio $100,000 for his comments on the U.S. Capitol invasion and protests after George George Floyd's murder. The money will be donated to the U.S. Capitol Police Memorial Fund. That according to Coach Ron Rivera. What is interesting is in the statement, Ron Rivera says, I, several times, I spoke to Jack Del Rio. I chose to, to find Jack Del Rio $100,000 and to make sure that he understands the power of his words. 
you're Del Rio, you're a defensive coordinator that makes $3.5 million a year. So $100,000, I think, is still substantial. That's a lot of money for anybody to have to give up for what they say. But the bigger part of all of this is going to be the authenticity that he gives off in the locker room. Because certainly when you speak and every single coach, every single team owner, every single player has a right to stand in front of a microphone and speak. But when you speak, especially in the modern NFL, not only are we listening in the media, but so are the players. And as the players continue to listen, you better be able to defend your thoughts. $100,000 fine is the beginning for what they will do publicly. But privately, I wonder what all of this will mean for the relationship that Del Rio has with his players. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Jason Fitz flying solo because we're going to take you up to Game 4. Celtics host the Warriors. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. Spain and Fitz presented by Progressive Insurance. Bundle and protect today under one roof. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. You could argue that the Celtics are progressive in their mindsets of how they have built this roster. Now, I've rewarded their patience on air several times. I think it's worth noting that midway through the season, things were terrible, and many of us thought that there was no way Brown and Tatum could play together. But instead, they not only found a way to play together, they found a way to get themselves to the NBA Finals. The question is, are they doing it differently than anybody else? And is that something that can be replicated? An interesting article was written in The Athletic today that I, uh, I found myself kind of saying, huh, to I want to credit John Hollinger, who wrote it, but it's really about defense and the way it's played in the NBA because the whole point of what we see in the NBA and what we become used to to covering are superstars. So we think of superstars in general, and we think about the Giannis's, the Durant's, the Jokic's, the Embiid's, the LeBron's. Where are all of them right now? Because last time I checked, if you want to include Doncic in that, he's the only one of the superstars I just mentioned that even played in the conference finals. So what's happening here and why is it happening? I think there's a real theory about defense and the way defense is being played in the NBA. We've got to always understand that defense is ever evolving. The entire concept of defense is so different now than it was in the 80s, right? That's why I think the argument of would this player be successful in this era is just futile. There, there's so little there. But there is something happening right now, and it's transcendent when it comes to switching. The way that teams are playing defense right now, essentially they're switching off and handing off constantly responsibility to the next guy, to the next guy, to the next guy. So it requires that everybody on your roster be capable of stepping up and playing solid defensively. I don't think it's it's an accident that we have the two best teams, according to most defensive metrics, in the NBA Finals. And that speaks to depth. You guys know I love my 80s cartoons. As Devin and I were talking, getting ready for the show tonight, I kept asking myself, are we in an Optimus Prime NBA right now or a Voltron NBA? Let me explain to all you uh, little kids out there, right? Optimus Prime was the leader of the Autobots, stood up, led everybody. He was the LeBron James of 80s cartoons. Like He just stood up, took everybody on his shoulders, didn't matter, couldn't take uh, Optimus Prime down, right? But Voltron was different. Voltron was a bunch of different uh, little Transformer-type vehicles, and they all had to stack on each other to make one huge one like Power Rangers, right? So Voltron gave you the opportunity to give these this huge, huge, powerful robot, but it took everybody else working together to make that happen. I wonder if we're in a Voltron NBA. And look no further than the MVP conversation. Brian Windhorse, ESPN NBA reporter, was on This Just In, our great show with Max Kellerman earlier today, and talked about the finals MVP, why it's wide open. It's important. Check this out. We may not even be halfway through the finals. 
How do we know how this is going to play out? Marcus Smart had a brilliant Game 3. How do we know that Marcus Smart, who's a two-way player, won't have another couple of big games? How do we know Clay Thompson won't have an explosive game? You all hear about uh, Game 6, Clay? What if we have Game 4, 5, and 6, Clay? I think this is still wide open. But I'll tell you one thing. Jason Tatum, he's only shooting 34% in this series so far. He has a lot of room to improvement. If he progresses to the mean with his shooting, he could have some explosive games in his future in this series. The fact that we are sitting in a spot, Spain and Fitz, Jason Fitz playing solo, with the Celtics, with the two games to one lead in the NBA Finals, and we have no idea who the MVP would be today if the Celtics won, I think speaks to the Voltron element of this. It speaks to the depth argument. You know, when you start thinking about what we usually see going into every year of the NBA Finals, we walk in, as I said earlier, with some concept of brand bias. I do believe there was enough brand bias going in for Steph this year that if Steph plays lights out, if he has his Herculean Hulk Hogan moment, takes the Warriors on his back, and they win an NBA championship, then Steph is going to get that MVP because we'd sort of anointed that as a possibility in our mind. Coming into this Finals, though, what have we anointed for Boston? We've seen moments, certainly. I don't think any of us will forget what it was like to watch Giannis take on Tatum in some of those amazing moments in the Eastern Conference playoffs, right? Like, we'll all remember that. And that speaks to his greatness in that moment. But that hasn't become the brand that everybody leans on. That hasn't become the thing that everybody relies on when talking about Boston. Because, frankly, you can make a case right now that for all that Tatum has put up on the score sheet, that Brown's actually been better in this series. Maybe Marcus Smart, to to Wendy's point, comes up and and really asserts himself. Because this isn't a team built simply on the concept of a big three. This isn't the Nets saying, hey, if we have Harden and we have Kyrie and we have KD, everything else will be just fine. This isn't the Lakers saying, as long as we have LeBron and AD, it doesn't really matter what we put around them. The rest will work out. I don't know if it's because of the back-to-back cycles we've seen in seasons, but we've seen a level of attrition that we've never seen before in the NBA throughout this playoff. And now what we have are the Celtics, an incredibly talented team that also might be the deepest team that we see remaining, finding a path that may be the blueprint for how teams build their success in the future of the NBA. We'll head to Boston next, test this theory with one of our experts that's there on the court. We'll do that next on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's a short version of Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Jason Fitz flying solo. Why are we short? It's power hour. You guys know the deal by now. The NBA Finals are on ESPN Radio. Tune in. Game four tonight. Celtics host the Warriors. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. One of the people that's going to be part of that happens to be one of my besties. I just absolutely love working with her, and I'm glad we get to hang out with her now. Roz Golden Wooday joins us. Roz, always appreciate you hanging out with me. Hey, hey, hey. Did I hear the... Like, somebody told me you had lobster today. Like, what are we doing in Boston? We're getting lobster? Oh, it's a fancy game for So all of the media, there is a spread of full lobsters, crab cakes, stuffed oysters, all the spreads. I wasn't expecting it. Uh, My guy, Kevin Winter, saved me a plate. We are, this is, this is the best night a girl could ask for. Game four NBA finals. And I'm literally doing this interview in a bib. 
Oh, my God. I am so jealous. I swear I am. Am I lying, guys? No. That's Kevin Winters. I'm literally doing this interview in a bit. You are making my whole life complete right now. Uh, So you're in Boston. I want to start, before we get to the game and what to expect tonight, you've been around so many NBA crowds and so many environments. Much has been made, obviously, and how hostile the Celtics crowd has been. In your experience, how is it different there than maybe in other uh, arena environments you've been in? You know, look, this is a legacy and historic fan base. This is a fan base going for their 18th chip. Um, I have a lot of respect for the Celtics organization and franchise. Um, I'm from New York. I grew up a Knicks fan anyway. You know, I, I understand, you know, what it is to have be a fan. Oh, my gosh. I understand what it is to be a fan um, and have a lot of pressure on the organization that you just are hungry for success and you're kind of a little bit mental um, about it. But... Um, I did think that it was a lot to have obscenities yelled multiple times over and over, F you to a player, especially during a time right now where we are sensitive to fans going up, up, up above the line, crossing that line, and even being physical with players or being uh, nasty in a way that may be racist or whatever with players or even to players' families. I, I think we have to, if we encourage that, you put yourself closer to the line of going over and possibly being damaging and dangerous. So I didn't love it. I think there's ways to heckle, um, you know, to, to be raucous, to, to be crazy as a fan base, to make the players feel you, even to embarrass a player who might who might be getting on your nerves besides that way. And I didn't love it, but, you know, you know that's – it's a wild time right now. Yeah, well, and, and let me <laughs> let me say loudly for everybody that's listening on their way to the game, be better. Like, there's a simple lesson right. here. Look left and right, and we all know the line. Don't cross the line. Now, that being said, if you're Draymond, how do you channel it but not let it send you over the line for what you need to do to do your job? You know, Draymond has to focus in on, on what his deliverables are on the court, you know, and that's come out there and, and be a playmaker, be a, a, a factor on offense and that doesn't necessarily mean that you need Draymond out there chucking shots and you know dropping 20 but you need him out there you know creating good things on the court and he does that with his IQ um, his understanding of positioning of spacing he sees plays uh, a few passes and dribbles before anyone else does he's got to impose his physicality and intensity on the defensive end which he did do in game two you know you want to make sure the Warriors point to that fourth quarter and what they say is you know we sat down with Clay Thompson yesterday he's like it's not the offense that I'm worried about it's the defense that we needed to be more physical they looked way too comfortable and in rhythm in that big fourth quarter that they had that they had who's the quarterback of the defense it's Draymond Green he sets the tone and the mentality and he raised his hand after last game and said, I was soft. Well, he can't afford to do that. The, the margin of error is not only smaller for Draymond, but smaller for this entire Warriors core that are not the young bucks that they used to be. You know, again, in the sit-down interview I had with Clay yesterday, he said, yeah, we had a huge third quarter, but it takes a lot out of us to do that. You know, it, it's not like 2015. You have a big curry flurry in the third quarter, and they go on to romp you like – they're tired. Their legs are different. Their bodies are different. And he talked about not digging those holes so that, you know, it's it's not such an uphill battle all game. Well, and the battle gets dip- more difficult because they don't have 100% of Steph, at least in theory tonight, Ross. So what are you looking for early from him to see how he feels? Well, I, 
I think in general, anytime Steph is on the court, it's it's great news. Like everything that positive that happens for the Warriors, all spacing, all shot creation, um, how they run their offense. It is a um, response to Stephen Curry. It is built by Stephen Curry. So him on the court, whatever version of him that you get, um, the Warriors, you know, should be thanking every basketball god that 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 was the extent of that injury. Where I'm more concerned is defensively, um, he, the Celtics have been going at him. They have been targeting him uh, whenever he's on defense. And, you know, in game one and two, he was strong. In game two, he, a, a number of uh, analysts pointed out how, how his numbers were, were really good when they targeted him. He held his ground. And game three, not as strong. He had good moments. He had some bad moments. When the Celtics found rhythm, when Tatum was getting going, he was going right at Steph. Now Steph with a less than 100% leg and foot and ankle, um, I'm concerned about how he'll be targeted on defense, where you can hide him, and, you know, how he can overcome that. Because they're, if they were going at him before, they're going to do it even more now. Spain and Fitch, Jason Fitz flying solo, hanging out with Ross Golden Wude. Uh, so you mentioned the Celtics. Uh, for you, what's the key for them tonight? Oh, man, carryover, carryover, carryover. This is what Coach Ime Udoka is trying to talk to his team about, his less experienced in the finals team than the Warriors. It's he's he's actually spoke to our entire radio group and he was like, man, I hate that we kind of have to get a loss to lock in because they do a great job of adjusting there. They want to now, you know, come out and carry over that same effort and test intensity and hustle that won them game three. They beat the Warriors to every 50 50 ball, loose ball, offensive rebound, the shot blocks. They just out hearted and hustled the Warriors on top of, you know, making heads up offensive plays, getting the ball popping and moving and to the paint first before the shot. Good things for the Celtics happened when they got in the paint first and then manufactured some kind of shot off of a, a pass or other creation. So that kind of lock-in and intensity is great. You know, we also sat down with Rob Williams yesterday and a man a few words, but it, the point was taken when he said, um, I'm tired of having to get punched in the mouth first. So some carryover here from one win to potentially the next. So who do you think from the Celtics tonight is poised to have the biggest game? I, I'm going to go with the hot hand. I think Jalen Brown has, Brown has been fantastic. Jason Tatum played his best game in game three, his most complete game. But Jalen Brown has gotten them started. First quarters, he's come through with huge fourth quarters. He's gotten them, you know, when the Warriors have punched, he's had a response. Um, we shared in another game, you know, we had a sit down with uh, Jalen Brown and, and he discussed his comfort in this series um, and he said that every game feels like a home game in that you know this is a guy with a lot of friends and family in the bay he went to cal berkeley playing at oracle is i'm sorry at chase center Ooh, what year am i in mm. playing at <laughs> chase center <laughs> playing at chase center feels real comfortable he's got old teammates moms bringing him meals like he's comfy and then obviously coming home to boston he feels really comfortable and you can see that on the court the, the confidence he's playing with is beyond his years so um, I would say that I, if I'm putting money on it, I say Jalen Brown has a beat on the Warriors right now. Okay, so Kevin Winter has sent me a picture of this spread that you guys are eating right now. We are just, <laughs> I, I'm looking at it, marveling at it. How many lobsters is too many lobsters when there's that many lobsters? That's the real question here. <laughs> there's never too many lobsters. It's not a thing that doesn't exist. 
Oh, man. I, and he sent you a picture of me in a bib. So you need to see that. And that is the true proof. I need that. I got to get that on my IG stories. No, that, yeah, is, that is the situation here. If you hear us sounding mumbled through the broadcast, you know why. Just know we brought great hunger to the game and to the broadcast. You have always been a rock star, my friend. Enjoy the lobster. Enjoy the game. Thanks for hanging out and giving us such great insight. Nice to hang out with you. Miss you. You too, my friend. Follow her on Twitter at Roscoe21. Check her out tonight. Uh, you want to hear every ounce of the game. They've been doing a great job covering it on the ESPN radio coverage tonight. Begins at 8 p.m. Eastern. In fact, if you want a chance to win some cash, you can do that just by tuning in. That's right. Who doesn't want free stuff? Yeah, I got free money for you. How about this? Listen to the NBA on ESPN radio broadcast championship uh, tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern for the chance to win 4000 Bucks. That's right. All you got to do is listen tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, for the chance to win $4,000. Uh, it is as yet unconfirmed if I'm eligible for this, but I will be listening just in case. Uh, always appreciate Ross Golden Wood hanging out with us. In the meantime, a very important look. I, I, got, I got beef. I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, I love Jay Will. Jay Will is my guy. I absolutely love him. Uh, but I got beef with him. And now we're going to have show on show ESPN radio beef. And I'm just telling you, it's going to go better for me on Show on Show Radio Beef than it did for Barton Hahn when they thought they could take Jay Will on on a basketball court. Jay Will, it is time. I will respond to this morning's comments from our morning show about me next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Been telling you all night. I'll keep telling you all night. You are only minutes away from the NBA Finals on ESPN Radio. These games have been incredible. I know that, you know, it's been up and down, but watching every second of it, there's just been a vibe and an energy to this year's finals that have lived up to every expectation I had. I'm sure tonight we'll do the same. We know Draymond will be fired up. We know the Celtics crowd will be fired up. I know you'll be fired up to listen to it at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. Don't forget also the road to the rematch is on. Bantamweight champ Juliana Pena and former champ Amanda Nunez go head-to-head as coaches on the historic 30th season of The Ultimate Fighter. Stream the series now exclusively on ESPN+. Sign up now at ESPNplus.com. A lot of great stuff out there. Want to make sure you get out there. And I will shamelessly tell all of you guys, before we hit college football season, there's going to be a ton of college football content out there as well. So get out to ESPN+, Plus if you haven't done it before. Uh, All right. You know, I've been professional all night. It's my job to make sure that we set everything up. It's my job to make sure that you guys are excited for the finals. It's my job to make sure that everybody is ready for some NBA action. You know, Every once in a while, we take a little mini detour. I'm flying solo tonight. No, Sarah Spain. So I decided I would take a moment to reply to Jay Will. See, Jay Will's a friend, truly. We're real friends. He's someone that I can text if I'm having a bad day. And I think it's important to tell everybody that because I chimed in this morning. I'm just sitting there. Uh, going through the Twitters, and I look at Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, and they're having a debate regarding who's more talented. Don't laugh at it. Don't yell at me. Their debate, Chris Brown or Michael Jackson. So I chimed in, and here's what happened when my response to their Twitter poll was read on air. Songwriters for Generation writes Jason Fitz. Jason Fitz, songwriters for Generations. Were slash are influenced by MJ. Choreography was forever changed by MJ. Live performances. Influence of the music video medium. Songs. Longevity of impact and generational influence is incredibly hard in music. There's a reason he was the... Jay? He was the... Now wait, now wait. King of so, pop, Jay. He was okay, so hold on. When hold on, Jay. he wasn't the king Jay, of pop? Jay. What are you guys talking about? No, but Jay, hold on. Hold on a sec, Jay. 
I don't like to go against you because you do know basketball and you played it at the highest level. I would hate for you to go against me in football. Or I would hate for you to go against a guy who was a Grammy-nominated artist named Jason Fitz. Yeah. I would hate for you to go against what he's yeah. saying because he knows music way better than you and I. Uh, I I've had people who host a Fitz on ESPN Radio Center at 10 p.m. Eastern. No, 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 no. By the way, just real quickly, I have a lot of friends who have accomplished more musically than Jason Fitz, with all due respect, that have said that they agree with Chris Brown Tech. So before you want to start throwing out stuff like that, kid. Wait, what happened, Jay? You That take brought to you by NFTs. Wow. Yeah. That is that is humble brag. No, that's a crime. You just bodied Jason Fitz. I, with all due respect, Jason Fitz. With all due respect. All right, Jay Will, with all due respect. Here's the thing. I live my life with humility. I'm a grinder, and as a result, sometimes it's easy to forget the past that I rarely brag about. But just like some ESPN radio shows forget how amazing Jay Will was at basketball and Every once in a while, you got to lace them up and remind everybody. So, with tremendous humility, Jay Will, I got to remind you, there are so many people that have accomplished more than I have. I'll give you that. Yes, doesn't change that I played Carnegie Hall when I was 10. I got into Juilliard as a child. I helped support my entire family as a musician at an age where most kids are worried about Saturday cartoons. And don't get it twisted. I am beyond proud of the gold and platinum records hanging on my wall from the band Perry, a group that, by the way, had the fourth biggest song of all time in the genre when I left. But I've also got a wall full of shiny gold and platinums from other genres. Records I was a part of have sold over 40 million units. I'm on Greatest Hits albums for artists from Matchbox 20 to Tim McGraw. I got 13 Grammy noms. I got a win. And I've had accomplishments and compositions played by orchestras around the world, which, by the way, I'm reminded of when I look at the score. John Williams signed for me when he and the Boston Pops played my damn work. Grammys, American Music Awards, Billboard Awards, Country Music Awards, ACM Awards. I played them all. I won them all. My TV performances alone have a cumulative audience of over half a billion people. I played live in front of quite literally millions of people in dozens of countries all over the world. I crossed genres, generations, and quite literally made impact that people still hear every day. I mean, how many people? are on smart speakers daily right now on ESPN Radio and also country stations, pop stations, Christian music stations, 90 stations. I can name one. So I know pro athletes that have, no offense, accomplished more athletically than Jay Will. But he's still Jay Damn Will, and I'm still Jason Damn Fitz. Now, as kids everywhere learn Chris Brown songs, are they learning every lick, every choreography? Are they remaking his videos? Will they be doing that 40 years from now? No, and I can guarantee you that's exactly what happens with MJ. Every young musician listens to Thriller, Beat It, Billie Jean. Hell, his catalog goes on for lifetimes. Is that not talent? Is songwriting not a talent? Writing some of the best songs of all time, gotta be. Maybe there are better dancers, singers, musicians, writers, producers, I don't know. But all of that wrapped up in one, Michael Jackson is on the Mount Rushmore of modern music. Chris Brown isn't even a Hall of Famer yet. Chris Brown, incredibly talented. I'm actually a fan of a lot of his work. I'm not taking that away from him. But Chris Brown is about as close to MJ as Jay Will was to the other MJ. Because for a bunch of us, Michael Jordan is the other MJ whenever Michael Jackson is being discussed. Thank you, Jay Will, for putting me in your mouth. And I appreciate you guys hanging out with me. I love Jay Will. That's all I have to say about it. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max. Check them out in the mornings. 
I, you know, it was an innocent poll. I just had sometimes, Devin, you just got to remind people, you know, like I, I don't I don't go out here much, uh, you know, wearing my T-shirt that says I have a Grammy, but I do. <laughs> uh, well, and I stand by the Michael Jackson, Chris Brown conversation, although I will say there's a sports tie in, by the way, Dev, and I think you'll appreciate that because Devin, producer extraordinaire, a uh, big NBA head. And there is one major similarity. Like every time you hear somebody come on and say, well, 80s NBA players versus current NBA players, I would argue it's a a similar conversation around guys like Michael Jackson. Because, like, we just take for granted what dance looks like now, but it didn't look that way 30 or 40 years ago. So what he was doing in the 70s was stuff that nobody had ever seen. Like people stopped in the street and said, oh, my God, how do I do that? That's, That's difficult to do, and that's also difficult to put into context when everything looks differently now. That was the end of my thought, Devin. I didn't know if you wanted to chime in on old guy MBAs, you know, logic and mindset, but that's okay. Uh, At the end of the day, I love everything about this conversation, and I love whenever my worlds can come together. There is no doubt about it. Catch uh, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max in the mornings as they get you ready for every day in the sports world. In the meantime, we're getting you ready for the NBA Finals. They are on ESPN Radio. You can tune in 8 p.m. We're only a few minutes away from it, and realistically, this all comes down to the pressure and the moment for the Warriors. They're trying to avoid the 3-1 series deficit. they got to play in Boston. I'm curious to see what Draymond looks like with that crowd because you know one thing. At Boston and Boston sports fans, even for a second, think that they got under the skin of Draymond, they're going to be 10 times worse tonight. And how they handle that, how Draymond handles that, how Draymond plays within himself but also plays with the aggressiveness that he did not play with in the last game, to me, is going to be the key to this. Can he be the, the lawnmower that comes in and gives everybody what they need for Golden State? Can he play within the emotion that will be created from that Boston crowd? Because, man, I think at the end of the day, that's going to be the key to this. I also hope, for the sake of the conversation I want to have Monday about this game, that the Boston crowd finds a respectful way to do what they do. Because through it all, you are constantly representing everybody that wears a Celtics hat, shirt, or jersey every time you speak. Be better, do better, and find creative ways to get under Draymond's skin because that is entertaining content for absolutely every single one of us. I appreciate you guys hanging out with me all night. As always, pregame for Game 4, the NBA Finals between the Warriors and Celtics starts next. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.